tie. But she did. She managed because she had to. There was nothing else for it. And when it was all over, and she had cleaned herself up as best she could, and the room too, and wrapped the baby, the tiny, wailing baby, into the clean sheet and blanket she had packed in her rucksack, along with the sharp, sharp scissors and ball of string and large bottle of water, which was the nearest she could get to sterilising anything, she sat on the floor, slumped against the wall, feeling nothing, not even relief, looking at the baby, quiet now, but breathing with astonishing efficiency, its small face peaceful, its eyes closed. It was over. She had become a mother, and in a very short while she would be one no longer. She could walk away, herself again, free, unencumbered, undisgraced. She could just forget the whole thing. Completely. It was over. Wonderfully, neatly, absolutely over. The year before. August 1985. They sat there in the departure lounge, on two separate benches, consulting the same departure board. Three girls, strangers to one another, the faded jeans, the long hair, the beaded friendship bracelets, the sneakers, the small rucksacks, vastly bigger ones already checked in, all marking them out as backpackers and about to be undergraduates. With school and parents shaken off, a few hundred pounds in their new bank accounts, round-the-world tickets in their wallets, they were moving off to travel a route that would take in one or all of a clearly defined set of destinations. Australia, New Zealand, Thailand, Nepal and the Himalayas, and even the States. It was the announcement that brought them finally together, the announcement that their flight to Bangkok had been delayed for three hours. Their eyes met, eyebrows raised, and they all stood, picking up their bags, moving towards one another, smiling, annoyed at so early an interruption to their journey, and yet welcoming it as an excuse to meet. They settled at a table, and, over some fairly unpleasant coffee, began to talk. Jocasta Forbes, tall and skinny with wild blonde hair, opened the discussion. She was travelling, she said, with her brother Josh. If he ever turns up, he's the baby of the family. Totally hopeless. Like me, I'm the baby too, said the second. Pretty hopeless as well, I'd say. Cleo, she added, spelt with an I. Cleo Scott. She was neither tall nor skinny, distinctly plump indeed, but extremely pretty with dark curly hair and big sparkly brown eyes. And I'm the eldest, said the third. Martha Hartley. Not sure if I'm hopeless or not. She smiled at the other two. Studying her, they felt sure she was not. Martha was not pretty in the conventional sense. She was small and pale, with long, straight brown hair, but she carried an air of quiet assurance with her that Jocasta, with all her wild beauty, lacked. They chatted easily after that, discovering one another, liking one another increasingly, interrupted by Jocasta waving furiously across the room. At last you made it! Wow! Well, there he is, everybody. 
my brother Josh. Martha and Cleo watched him coming towards them. He looked so like Jocasta it was almost shocking. The same wild blonde hair, the same dark blue eyes, the same just slightly crooked smile. Edgy suddenly, Jocasta introduced him. You're incredibly alike, said Cleo. You could be... We know, we know, twins. Everyone says so, but we're not. Josh, why are you so late? I lost my passport. Josh, you're so hopeless. And fancy only looking for it this morning. I know, I know, sorry. Was Mum okay saying goodbye to you? He's her baby, she added to the others. Can't bear to let him out of her sight. She was fine. How was your dinner with Dad? It never took place. He didn't get back till twelve, and this morning he had to rush to a meeting in Paris. So